0: Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net, and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on August 14th, 2022. We are in the Gospel of Luke, and we are studying Jesus, primarily. Don't you think that Luke is our primary study? Jesus himself is our study. And today, he's gonna talk to us in the passage about the the Great Commission, sending people out into the world to make disciples. And I want you to hear something from me. When it comes to the Great Commission, the church has too often been all talk and no action. I mean, we talk about it a lot, but we don't always do it. If you like cliches, and I do, we've been all sizzle and no steak. All show and no go, or one of my favorites, all hat, no cattle. We talk about it, yet we often do very little. You read church history, and I do a lot of that, and you see dozens of squandered opportunities when the world was ripe for Jesus, and yet the church backed down let me give you one, because it happened here in our own hemisphere. In the 1500s, the Americas had an estimated 54 million people. All of them believed in God. None of them had heard the name of Jesus. Now, at the same time, in Europe, Europe was ablaze with Christian zeal. The Protestant Reformation had sent many people back to the Bible to study what the Bible really said. The the printing press had made the, the Bible widely available. And so you had in Europe a fiery zeal for Jesus, and in the Americas you had people hungry to hear from God. And it should have been a glorious century. Few dedicated missionaries tried diligently, but they were vastly outnumbered by Christians who talked the talk, but whose eyes were blinded by racism. They came in the name of Christ. If you read their documents, man, they, these are great statements of Christian purpose. They came in the name of Christ, but they were distracted by abundant land, fish, game, gold. Buffalo, beaver, nation building, and wealth. The church had one of the most glorious opportunities for an incredible harvest, and we blew it. And that has often happened in in church history because we talk about it, but we don't often do it. Every generation has that same opportunity, by the way, to do more than talk and to take seriously the challenge of making new disciples. So far, my generation, I'm kind of at the end of the baby boomer generation, my generation has largely failed. Oh, we built large megachurches, and we have amazing technology to share the gospel, and we have quality music and some top-notch preachers. We have radio, and TV, and streaming, and the internet, and apps, and social media, and incredibly sophisticated technology, but each succeeding generation after mine, generation X, millennials, generation Z, has fewer disciples than the previous one. We've been a lot of talk, and very little action out in the streets, talking to people about Jesus. So I want you to understand that as we look in today's passage to see what Jesus had to say. He had been preaching, but his own personal ministry was limited because travel was primarily in his day by walking, and he couldn't walk everywhere. And so he sent out the 12, and now in today's passage, he sends out 72 more, but he acknowledges that that is still not enough. So I want you to understand what he said about going into the world and making disciples, about the challenge that we still accept today as our primary commission, our reason for being, the reason we have a church, the reason why Avondale Baptist Church exists is to go into the world and make disciples. And so I want us to understand what Jesus had to say about it. It's in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 24, And I want you to stand and listen carefully, even as if you were one of the 72 that Jesus sent out. And here's how the passage reads. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades." Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, Lord, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, And no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then He turned to His disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. You may be seated. And I really want you to understand this passage and know what it means Jesus' time on earth was nearly over. The, the previous passage that he had resolutely set his eyes on going to Jerusalem. And he was going to turn his ministry over to his disciples. He had been training them. But he recognized that the disciples were not enough. And now Jesus sends out 72 to testify about him, and do work in his name. That was not enough. And that expansion is still continuing today. He went from 1 to 12 to 72, and it's just possible that he's looking for 400 or so out of Avondale Baptist Church to go out and do his work. So I want you to think about it as if You're one of the 72 or at least one of the 400 today that Jesus is sending out into the world. So let's break it down. And he started by defining the problem. And here's what he said. This is the problem. He says, not enough workers for the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And by the way, that has not changed at all today. Even today, there is more work to be done for Christ than there are workers to do it. Even with the 12 and with the 72... There were towns and villages in Judea and Samaria and Galilee and across the Jordan River and surrounding areas that never saw Jesus or one of the disciples or one of the 72. He says this is the problem, and it's always been the problem in church life. For 2,000 plus years, it's been the problem. Not enough workers for the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is big. In other uh, translations and in other books of the, the Gospels, is the, the the fields are white unto harvest. Now is the time, but there's not enough workers to bring the harvest in. So I want to ask you: Do you see today the potential? Do you see fields white unto harvest? Do you see people who need Jesus and are ready to respond? Because not everyone sees that. Not even all Christians. Jesus had to remind his disciples because they were well aware that enemies were gathering and they could have seen the enemies instead of the disciples. And that's all many people see today are the enemies and not the harvest. Many people see Muslims as enemies. Instead of seeing them as a great mission field. They see inner city gangs and they just want more police officers, but they don't see people who need Jesus. They see Central Americans as a threat without seeing people who are hurting and ready to respond to the gospel of Jesus. They see teenagers and assume that they're not interested. They don't see the mission field. So I want you to think about how do you see the world? Are you overwhelmed by the problems of the world? Are you excited because there's a huge mission field out there. There are people who need Jesus and deep down in their hearts they want Jesus. But there's not enough workers to take them. That's the problem, Jesus said, even in his day and its today. We've got to see the world as a harvest field, and then we can become the mission workers. So that's the problem. Big harvest, few workers. And then after defining the issue, big harvest, few workers, Jesus gave his followers two commands. Two simple things to do. I say simple because I don't want you to overcomplicate things. I don't want you to make following Jesus too tough. I don't want you to make it think like, man, that's way over my head. I don't understand what Jesus wants from me. And so he gave his workers two simple commands. Ask and go. That's his solution to the problem of not enough workers for the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few... Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field and go. Those are the two big commands in the passage, ask and go. I think if somehow Jesus were our ultimate church consultant, and really he is, then I think he would define the issue today in the exact same sense. The harvest is plentiful. Avondale Baptist Church. You're in a growing region of one of the nation's fastest growing metropolitan areas of your country and even in the world. You're right across the street from schools that are filled with children from broken families. You're around the corner from a high school with 1,800 plus students, most of whom do not know Jesus, and many of whom have never even heard the gospel of Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. So here's what I want you to do. Avondale Baptist Church, the commands for Jesus, ask for more workers, and then go yourself don't overcomplicate church life. Jesus didn't, and he doesn't. Pray and go. Ask God for more people to go with you, and then get up and go tell people about Jesus. We often look to other solutions. I mean, if we were to bring a church consultant in here, he might say things like this. Here's what you need. You need a better preacher. And maybe even better musicians. Maybe you need more contemporary. Maybe you need better lighting. Maybe you need anything other than orange carpet all over. Maybe you need chairs instead of pews. Maybe you need better video screens. Now listen, I'm not opposed to those things. As a matter of fact, I am working on some solutions to those things. But none of it will matter a bit if we don't pray and go. Pray and go. Yes, there are other things we can do. We got a remodeling team that is working on some of those. I'm getting excited about how God is going to lead us to do. But we could have the world's best worship center and if we're not praying and we're not going, it'll do us zero good. Don't look to money and things as a solution. Jesus didn't say, that's what I want you to do. He said, here's the problem. There's not enough workers for the harvest. Look around. The harvest is huge. So ask me for more workers and then go tell people about Jesus." Jesus. Don't overcomplicate things. Those remain our priorities. So come to prayer meeting. Can you all say amen? Okay, you said it. Now come. I mean, we're all talk, no go. We're all sizzle, no steak. We're all hat, no cattle. Don't just say you believe in prayer. Show up at prayer meeting. Wednesday night's at 5.30 and then go home and pray in your closet. It's not really complicated what Jesus taught us to do. By the way, we have a meal and then then we pray. We got Navajo tacos this coming Wednesday night. Fry bread with all the good stuff on top of it. It's going to be good. But the focus is not the food. It's on prayer. And then go tell people about Jesus. Those are the commands to solve the problem. Not enough workers for the harvest. Man, I talk to preachers all the time. I talk to church workers all the time. What's your problem? We don't have enough workers. We don't have enough musicians. We don't have enough preachers. We don't have enough teachers. We don't have enough youth workers. We don't have enough basketball coaches. We don't have enough nursery workers. Man, woe is us. We think of what we could do if we just had those workers yeah that's a universal problem in every church I've ever been in and it started in the day of Jesus how do you solve the problem pray If you're not praying you're part of the problem not part of the solution tell people about Jesus if you're not telling people about Jesus you're part of the problem you're not part of the solution pretty simple commands the problem not enough workers the commands ask and then go And then he gave the 72 some guidelines that would help them. Some of them were specific to them, but the principles apply to all of us. So these are some specific principles, procedures, guidelines, operating things to do to make sure that it gets done. And the first thing Jesus said is, listen, it won't be easy. You're a lamb, a lamb among wolves. By virtue of being a lamb, you're going to have enemies. Lambs are essentially defenseless. They attract predators and only the shepherd can save them. So Jesus told us ahead of time, look, you're going to have enemies. If you stand up for good, evil will attack. If you stand up for Jesus, then Satan will attack because Satan knows Jesus is his only real enemy. So, so don't expect it to be easy. Don't get easily discouraged. Well, I told people about Jesus, and they didn't respond. Jesus said, you're a lamb among wolves. Understand that there are wolves out there. They hate you. They hate what you stand for. They hate against you. So be ready. Because if you pray and go, you're going to have enemies. Now, listen. If you're going to have enemies, and you will, just be sure you get enemies for the right reason. If you act and talk like a jerk, you deserve enemies. Don't complain about it. If you're a hypocrite, you should have enemies. Don't whine about it. If you act like an enemy, of course you're going to have enemies because you've declared them. You'll get no credit for God for having enemies because you deserve enemies. So if you have enemies and if we have enemies, let it be because we stand for Jesus. So, if someone hates you or turns against you or won't talk to you or attacks you, let it be because you stood up for Jesus. And then you will have the respect of the shepherd. And nothing will happen to you unless he allows it. So, the guidelines, he said to the 72, it won't be easy. Some of them will see in the passage experience great victory. Some of them went in and had essentially. No response and had to wipe the dust off their feet as they they left the town. It won't be easy. Second thing, principle that he gave them was, listen, trust me, trust God for your needs. We talked about this with the 12, so I won't spend a whole lot of time on this. But he said, you don't have to take an extra bag, extra sandals, extra clothes. I will provide for you. And listen to the church today, if we wait for perfect conditions to go tell people about Jesus, we will never get perfect conditions. If we wait till we have all the money, all the stuff, all the workers, and everything and plan for doing it next year, the next year, the next year, we'll never get there. He said, do it now and trust me, I'll take care of things for you. You will have everything that you need. Trust me for your needs. And then Jesus gave many guidelines that I'm putting under this heading, don't waste time on trivialities. Here's one thing he said, and I want you to understand it, because he wasn't saying, don't be friendly. He said, don't greet people on the road. You need to understand Jewish culture to understand that. Jews would stop and talk when they met other travelers on the road. And they would stop and talk for hours. You know people like that. I know people like that. And they would ta- stop and they would talk about directions. Remember, there were no maps and road conditions and politics and weather and why the Capernaum Raiders would beat the Jerusalem Cowboys in the Super Bowl. And they would talk for hours. Jesus's point was pretty simple. Listen, don't waste time on trivial conversation. You got a job to do. I send you to the town. Go to the town and preach Jesus. And we need to remember that today. Listen, church, we need to remember that today because oftentimes we get stuck on the trivialities. I told you my fear last week, and I want to tell it to you again. I am afraid that someday, people standing before judgment, they will say, I know what the church thinks about abortion, and I know what the church thinks about Trump, and I know what the church thinks about Biden, and I know what the church thinks about the Second Amendment, and I know what the church thinks about the border, and I know what the church thinks about the economy, but they never really told me what they believe about Jesus. And compared to preaching Jesus, everything else is Secondary. Jesus is our message. Jesus is our focus. Jesus is who we need to talk about. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is what the world needs to hear from us. He is God, the Son of God. He came and died on a cross. He rose on the third day willing to forgive anyone who will turn to him, forgive them of their sins, give them a life worth living here on earth, and everlasting life in heaven. The gospel of Jesus is our message. I'm not opposed to talking about other things, but let's make sure don't stop on the road talking to everybody about everything else. Go preach Jesus. And don't be all sizzle, no steak. Get to the steak. And then he said, if they won't listen, move on. Don't spend all your time on people that won't listen. There are receptive people out there. Tell them. He wasn't giving up on people. But he was saying, listen, don't just tell three people. Expand. There are others. If Americans won't listen, go to Mexico. If Mexico won't listen, go to Guatemala. If they won't listen, go to Estonia. One of my sons went to Estonia and told people about Jesus a couple weeks ago. Go and find people who will listen. Listen. Don't waste time on trivialities, Jesus taught. There are receptive people out there. There are still receptive people out there, and we often get discouraged. But Jesus said, listen, trust me, pray and go, pray and go, pray and go. It's not complicated. And then there are some eternal truths, enduring truths, in this passage that apply to all of us. And I want you to Listen to these things, because these are principles that Jesus taught in the sending that are still true today. Here's the first enduring truth that I want you to get. Jesus taught that to whom much is given, much is expected. Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, three towns that he mentioned. You saw God at work in person. And you saw miracles. Not all towns got to see that. But you did. Yet you did not repent and turn to God. It will be more bearable for ungodly cities that I did not visit. Than for you. It will be worse for you than for them. I think I said that wrong. Because I've given you much and you ignored it. To whom much is given, much is expected. Apply that personally and to our country. I gotta apply it to me because I'm a very blessed man. I had godly parents, good churches when I was growing up, good schools to go through all the way through my master's degree. God has given me a nice house, a beautiful and very godly wife, nine loving children, nine loving grandchildren. I was taught the gospel early. So much has been given to me, much is expected of me. Our country has quite possibly, despite our sins and our problems, our country has quite possibly been the most blessed nation in the history of earth. We have churches and preachers by the hundreds of thousands. We have Bibles by the hundreds of millions. We have a constitution that despite arguments about it has served us well. And despite our haters, and we know there are out there we are still at the top of the list of countries that people want to move into rather than move out of. We are blessed by God. And yet our apathy and our rejection of the things of God could land us at the top of the judgment list because of this principle. To whom much is given, much is expected. So apply that to you. And to our country. The second principle that, that he shared, and I can't even comp- comment on all of them, is that rejection isn't personal. Remember, when you go out and tell someone about Jesus and they're not interested, Jesus said, they're not rejecting you. Don't take it personally. Don't get discouraged. Don't get disappointed. They're rejecting Jesus. Jesus. And through Jesus, they're rejecting God. One of the things I had to get used to is, is a pastor. yeah, like most people, I kind of like it when people like me. And when I share an opinion, I kind of like it when people agree with me. But having a church staff like we do, I never get that. But, but, but you know, I, I kind of like it when people uh, uh, agree with me. When I tell them about Jesus, I want them to say, "Yes, Lord." But I had to learn they're not rejecting me. I'm just a spokesperson so are you. They're rejecting Jesus. It's not personal. Number three, he shared this enduring truth. And I want you to hear this because we don't talk about it all the time because we don't really like to talk about it, but Jesus indicated that judgment is real. You've often heard me preach that we are not to judge others, but that does not mean that God does not judge. He does. God will judge. And we see it here in the passage. Woe to you, Capernaum. That that was kind of Jesus' home base during his ministry. Many of his disciples came from that town. He spent more time in that town probably than any other. You should have repented. And yet you didn't. And so on the day of judgment, woe unto you. Listen, I live my life with an understanding that I want you to live your life by. Someday I will stand before God and he will be my only judge. My political party will not matter. My friends can't help me. They'll be in the same judgment I am. No lawyer except for Jesus will speak on my behalf. I will stand before God And so will you. So so you live your life with that understanding. God's watching. God's going to judge. Yes, my sins have been forgiven. Thank you, God, for that. But I will stand before God as my creator, knowing he loves me, but still as my judge. And I want you to understand that because it applies to people, families, churches, and nations. And then Jesus said this. Hey, remember to rejoice in the right thing. You are praising God because you have power over Satan. And Jesus said, I am too, man. I saw Satan falling from my eyes. You told people about me and they, they, they received me. Man, I saw the power of God at work and that is great. But don't rejoice over the physical results. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Man, I got a lot of things to thank God for. I already mentioned some of them because I'm, I'm very blessed. It, Having this church and the privilege of preaching here and teaching here and leading this church has been a great blessing that God has given me. But the greatest blessing God has given me is that when my day comes, Jesus is going to come and take me to be with him forever. My name is written in heaven, not because I'm a good man, but because Jesus has saved me. And so that's the ultimate thing. That we rejoice over. That's why we can put up with tough days. That's why we can put up with rejection. That's why we can handle challenges. That's why we can deal with issues. That's how we can handle pain. And all of the things that the world throws at us. Because God is real. He loves me. And on that day he's going to come and take me to be with him forever. So rejoice in the right thing. So listen. Your response, our response. And if you know me, you know exactly where I'm gonna go with this. Because there are two primary commands in the passage, and I'm gonna command you in the name of Jesus to do what Jesus commanded you to do. Two responses for every believer ask and go. Here's what I want from you, believers. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Don't just whine about it. Ask me for more workers. Man, if you work the nursery and say, we need more nursery workers, you ought to be in prayer meeting saying, God, we need more nursery workers. If you're in the youth department and you need more workers to reach Ottawa Free High School, not to even mention any of the rest around us, you ought to be in prayer meeting doing what Jesus said to do. Don't just pray for the sick. Don't just pray for cancer. Don't just pray for heart attacks. Don't just pray for someone who's near death. Pray for all of those things, but focus your prayers on what Jesus said to pray for. God, we need more workers, but don't say that hypocritically because if you're not willing to go and work it's empty so, so, so here's your command ask God for more workers to do his work and ask it with integrity because you were one of those workers this is pretty simple pretty direct, pretty straightforward you pray about those things and you tell God yes I will pray I will go Let's all stand together and bow our heads When all is said and done God let these two things be at the heart of who we are as a church We pray for workers who will go tell people about Jesus. And we tell people about Jesus. There's a thousand things to think about in church life. Don't allow us to forget the two important commands. Ask and go. Pray and preach. Ask for my help and then go in my name. Let that be true of us, and I pray that prayers by our members and our guests will go before you and say, God, thank you for reminding me of what I'm supposed to do. I'm making a commitment to you today that this week I will pray like I've never prayed before, and this week, before I gather again next Sunday, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. You keep praying, and if you're ready to make a decision, we want to make it easy for you. You want to join our church. There are people here who will be honored to pray with you and talk you through that. You're ready to be baptized, let us know, and we will arrange a time to talk to you and schedule that. But especially if you've heard the gospel of Jesus, that he's real, that he loves you, that he died for you, that he's calling you to believe in him, and he wants to forgive your sins and give you a life worth living and life in heaven. And if you're ready for that, man, we want to help you take those steps. So there are people here who will help you. You can let us know on a connection card. Because we preach Jesus and we want to help you follow Jesus. So if God leads, you come. father in church life there are hundreds of details to think about but in the midst of all the details let us never forget the commands to pray and to preach to ask and to go and let the world see and hear from our lips and from our knees the truth of Jesus and we pray this in Jesus name amen you may all be seated. And I want to invite a family to uh, come up here with me because we're at that very difficult time in church life in which uh, we need to say goodbye. So, Phil and Dana and Brian are going to ask you to come up here with us. This is their last Sunday with us. Um, and they have been, and I'm never good at, you know, these kinds of things, saying these kinds of things, but. They've been exactly what you want in church members and friends. Phil, been on staff. I can't even count. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.